Hi, welcome to this Property Life podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor and mentor, and each week my friends and I will be talking about the latest hot topics in the world of property and property investing. In this panel show episode, we're revisiting the important topic of raising money and working with angel investors. We talk about how to leverage social media, how to organize and structure your investment, and how to head off some of the more common reservations that somebody may have about investing in you and your business. I hope you find this episode useful. Let's dive straight in. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this panel show episode, Raising Money Part 2, back by popular demand. Uh, part one uh, was was a popular format. I think uh, hopefully people found that useful. Hopefully you've had a chance to catch that. We covered a lot of content in, in part one. And uh, yeah, back by popular demand. Literally, some people have been asking when we're coming back to do part two of um, when we're getting the dream team back together. So um, I'm joined by Rick Blaney and Caroline Clayden. Morning, guys. How are you doing? Good, good. Good to be here. Good, good, good. Yeah, really well. Thanks, Mark. Um, pressure's on. I, I didn't realise that we were uh, in such high demand, but that's Absolutely. great to hear. Absolutely, yeah. No, so I, I think we always knew this would become a, a series of of, uh, of content around the topic of raising money, and, and we covered a lot, I think, in in part one. So if you, if you're listening and you haven't managed to catch that yet, just uh, just just go back through the episodes, have a look for raising money part one, and have a good listen to that because we talked a lot about angel investors, what they are, where to find them. We talk quite a bit about the mindset to money in general and raising money. And I'd imagine that will continue as a bit of a thread through what we talk about today. Um, But I thought just in terms of capping off what we talked about in terms of finding angels, we should probably talk a little bit about social media. Um, It's just such a an integral part of all of our lives at the moment. And when we talk about our network and, you know, our, our, our connections, the first thing that springs to mind is how we might leverage social media. So what are your thoughts on some of the do's and don'ts of using social media to try and raise money? I mean, I assume it's just a case of when you get a deal, you just throw it on Facebook, right, with the with the percentage returns and you know, all of the numbers laid out and just wait for the angels to come flocking. It's, it's got to be as easy as that, right? No. <laughs> that, Mark. <laughs> I, what I love about um, social media is people telling the story. Like we, we said in part one how, well, we hate asking for money and we don't actually ever ask for money. The beauty about social media is you're, you're showing, you're, you're showcasing your story. You're showcasing what you're doing. And all the deals, the refurbs, the befores and afters, even just saying, you know, my investors, you know, I've just paid my investor X amount of thousand pounds. If you want to get involved, let me know. Or that that subtle way of telling the story works really, really well. But there is definitely a don't, right? The that I'm about to offer you a fantastic return on your money. This is, you know, eight percent, twelve months. I need fifty grand. That's that's a big no-no, right? What's yeah. it's uh, FCA? You're not to be seen to be um, offering a great return because yeah. that's giving financial advice, and yeah, you got to be quite careful about the wording around um, money and investing and borrowing in a public arena like that, like a presentation. You've got to yeah. be really careful. 
But you see yeah. it everywhere, right? It's, it's like the Wild West, isn't it? Social media, you will see plenty of that going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think absolutely you're right. It's just like social media's, we talked a lot last time about talking to people. And I yeah. think social media is just an extension to your mouthpiece, right? Yeah. 100%. I think some people look at social media as exactly that. It's like, right, I've got a deal. I've got to be really overt with it and, and try and look for instant gratification. Whereas social media can be in your face or it can be really subtle. Um, it can be very much about layering, which I talked about on the last one, layering the conversation. So if somebody in your network, you know, it's normally, you know, three degrees of separation isn't it the, the the money that you can raise privately will likely come from people you already know or people they already know so don't be surprised if you don't tell them you're investing in property and that you're building a property portfolio and helping private uh, investors you know get a great return on their money but it doesn't have to be as you know in your face as here's a deal here's eight percent as caroline said what it's more about is here's a picture of a house that's looking at very tired and distressed here's me in the midst of doing the refurb and here's the finished product and at that point you can then sort of private message people and and then say oh you know i'd be interested in having a, a chat to you um, and it's again it's about that layering thing so you have to play the long game when it comes to telling your story uh, in a way that feels authentic to you um because i know when i look at some of the stuff that goes on social media you think oh gosh that's really in your face it's quite sort of sickening you know kind of it's just too too much mm. i do remember that post of you rick stood next to that ferrari in the uh <laughs> not in, in the uh, early days yeah exactly no definitely not 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 me and i think that's you know a bit older i guess came to, to social media a little bit later than some of the the younger folk out there and um you know i was a bit reticent about you know getting involved in it but i think you can make you know for those of you who want to hide behind or be a little bit more anonymous the good thing about you know property or uh, you know associated businesses uh, you can hide behind the business rather than it be about you it can be about your property and about your business and about what you're doing so you never actually really have to be in front of the camera yourself you, you know we you know um run a, a boutique guest house we make that the star of the show and then put ourselves behind that you know i know mark you do the same with your service accommodation um and, and caroline you know same with your property portfolio so it's a make the make the business the star not yourself if you're a little bit more um you know i guess a shyer a bit more introverted or don't want to be out on camera yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some listeners that are like, well, I, I don't do the social media thing because I'm a private person. And so this this is not going to help me. Um, and I kind of had that battle for a while where I was like, I'm not going to be the kind of I'm out there, everyone knowing my business. And that that is a bit of a battle, isn't it, with your own mindset is you know, you have to, well, I have to see the benefit of doing something before I do it, right? What's the benefit of me spending time putting photographs and content on social media? And and, and the benefits are there. They really are that, that when people know what you do, they start talking about it. Then, you know, I, I had I had one of the teachers at my kid's school say, oh, I just I just saw something that you were doing. Um, I didn't know you were in property. And, you know, and that started a conversation. You just never know where that's going to lead. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be showy-offy, does it? Like, you don't yeah. need to be the, look how successful I am in my Ferrari. 
<laughs> this poor person with the Ferrari is really getting it tight, it's it. Yeah. Um, Sorry to any of you Ferrari drivers out there. Yeah. It's not a, a big at you specifically. Uh, Lamborghinis and uh, Maseratis and, uh, and all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think it's a really good point. I think some people take to social media like a duck to water. It might be a bit of a generalization, but, you know, it could be a generational thing. But some people really just take to it and documenting their journey and keeping a diary. And it just it just comes really naturally. What would you say then to people that and I, I do encounter this a lot? Well, I, I just I don't know what to post. I mean, what you know, what do I put out there? You know, because maybe they're not so active on social media on a personal level they're not used to that kind of uh kind of way of uh you know connecting with people so what what, what do you think people should be putting out there on their social media pages then i think it's got to be you know something that you feel uh connected to so again if you're not wanting to you know be the social media star yourself you know pictures of stuff that you're doing you know everybody likes looking at smelly houses uh believe it or not you know, the, the worse, the better. That will always get engagement. You can jump on uh, stuff related to property. There's always news stories um, and snippets in the press. Uh, that always gets people, you know, engaged. You know, you can just grab a BBC article and see, you know, house prices up, down, you know, whatever, hot spots. Grab, grab a news story or something like that and pop that on your post and just say, oh, saw this today in, in, in the press. That was quite interesting. Interest rates. Yeah. It's a good yeah. conversation starter. Yeah. I, I, I struggled with this, particularly if you're putting pressure on yourself. You don't need to post every single day. And look, I'm no social media expert, but I think if you can do a nice rounded story of some property stuff, um, maybe some lifestyle stuff, what property does for your lifestyle, maybe, and then maybe some mindset stuff, depending on how experienced you are, I guess, how long you've been doing property. I think if you're just starting out, really focusing more on, on you know, your viewings, taking photographs of your viewings, mm -hmm. out viewing properties today, that doesn't mean that you have actually even bought one yet. But the fact mm -hmm. that you're actively in that marketplace or, you know, here I am driving, uh, driving my car, not the Ferrari, uh, driving the car off to see my estate agents uh, for a day's viewing or, you know, just those little things or my business cards have just arrived, photograph of the business property business cards. They don't need to be big and flashy posts, like really important even just the smallest of little things that you're doing that are different, that people in their everyday lives are not doing, that is going to pique someone's interest. Hey, I'm, I'm seeing that you're viewing lots of properties at the moment, or hey, you've got new business cards, or you, you were speaking to an estate agent. All those things start to lead to conversations about, oh, yeah, yeah, we're building a portfolio and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I think so, also you need to think very carefully about what's important to you so you know social media is very big at the moment for you know for obvious reasons but if it's not your thing yeah. you know like don't feel that you have to do it because everybody else is doing it you know yeah. you can do it very very you know on a low scale and if your thing you know I, i'm not going to sit here and say i'm big on social media because i'm not i'm very yeah. big at meeting people um shaking hands um networking old school uh, that's my background and, and I enjoy that. So when it comes to raising money, I'm much more likely to be found in a face-to-face -face conversation, uh, networking, uh, and, and just sort of following the the the, the trail of, of where conversations take me. Uh, so 
just decide you know I had a look into going the you know like the idea of doing Instagram and, and all that kind of wasn't for me uh, you know it's it's just something that you've got to, there's always something to do in property so if this is about raising money uh, and, and building your network think about what's important to you what you enjoy I've seen people really go for the, the social media thing and love it and I've also seen people try it and think it's not for them and if it's not for you don't get hung up on it you know there's 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 other ways and means yeah, I mean, people raise money before social media exists, right? So yeah. it's just another, it's another vehicle for you to, to choose to use. The other thing is it's, it's quite complicated. Which platform? Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, blah. you know. I think the principles are the same, though. You know, talking to people face-to-face, -face, the stuff that we covered in part one, I think the principles of that are the same as how you would want to leverage social media. So it's about authenticity at the end of the day. It's about some people, I think, you're absolutely right. They feel that maybe they can't <clears throat> start leveraging social media until they've got a deal because, well, I can't do the refurb walk round and because I don't have a project. But it's just having fun with it and getting a bit creative about, you know, this is these are the, the crazy things that I've seen on a viewing. You know, this is me traveling up to my investment area. And, you yeah. know, just so people because the thing about social media and I've experienced this so many times myself is that you never know who's watching. You know, and sometimes it will be the people that have not even liked your posts, not even interacted or commented that when the time is right for them, yeah. they reach out to you and they say, hey, you know, I can see what you're doing. You know, you've mentioned a few times about getting involved. You know, what what does that mean? Um, so I think it, that the principles of it are exactly the same. And in terms of fitting it into your life, you know, there's some pretty cool apps out there that we can use from a productivity point of view that, uh, that mean that you're not tied to your phone 24-7 and maybe you can spend an hour at the weekend crafting some posts for the week and just schedule those to go out. So it looks like you're super consistent throughout the, throughout the week. In reality, you know, it didn't take too much of a chunk out of your day-to-day your -day life. And I think that's the key, isn't it? With if you are going to use social media, it's consistency. You know, it's not not sort of coming in fits and starts. Maybe suddenly you've got a deal that you need to fund, so you get really active again, and then you disappear yeah. for a few weeks. It's yeah. just about being consistent. And Rick, I think you used the word slow burner. Just just keep that that sort of presence consistently yeah. all the way through. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. I think with everything when it comes to raising money and creating a deal funnel, it's always just layering slow burner there's always a, a, a bit of a mismatch between not having enough deals not having enough money you never kind of think brilliant i've got um i've got 200 grand sitting there in private finance and oh look i've got this deal here that needs 200 grand you know just perfectly synced you know you're always a little bit sort of mismatched uh, aren't you and and both come with different um challenges i guess because you think oh i've got money i've got a, a private investor who's really keen on what i do but i don't have a deal at the moment or i have a deal and i don't have an investor uh mm. good problems to have because that means that you're doing the right things by telling people what you're doing by layering up the story people taking notes and exactly what mark says you know it could be that it's a social media thing where somebody's seeing that consistency from you and then it leads to more of a one-on-one -on -one conversation about oh i've seen that you've been you know actively busy to see how the, the the property has the property thing going yeah it's going really well actually and then that leads into the conversation and, and there's your your long play into into raising money okay so 
we've covered a lot about how to, so you have these conversations either face-to-face -face or through social media, and then out, out of the blue, somebody picks up on one of your little conversation starters and says, okay, tell me more. I, I, I'm interested. You know, I, I, I've got potential pot of money that I'm interested in investing. I like the look of what you're doing. Let's have a chat. Where does it go from there? And what are some of the questions that you're likely to face from a potential investor? So what, what concerns are they likely to be coming with? And how can we sort of counter that, I guess? Your thoughts on that? Well, everyone, well, I, I always frame it that everybody's selfish and they're only interested in what's in it for them, right? So the biggest thing is that you have to be framing it about what the benefits mm. of them investing their money with you is for them, not how it's going to help you grow your portfolio, not how it's going to be an amazing deal, right? They're not interested in that. They just want to know what's in it for them. Um, the first question I ask is how much money are you thinking about investing? Because that's a fairly good test on how serious they are and if, and also how much time you're going to spend with this person. Because if they're like 500 quid, then, you know, you're probably not going to spend hours working through that deal yeah. with them. But, you know, the first question, how much are you thinking about investing? It's quite a soft way um, of opening up the conversation. But they're only going to care about what are they going to get? How safe is their money? When are they getting it back? And how are they getting it back, right? Those are yeah. the main the main things obviously there'll be other questions around those four main points but they are you know those are the four i would say are are going to drive somebody with their decision making timing and and all that kind of stuff yeah. um, i think you can also go a step back as well so if you you know let's say for instance you've had the social media you've had a chat someone's like i'm quite interested in what you you're you're talking about here before you're going to have that interaction, whether it's a call, whether it's a Zoom meeting or whether it's a face to face, think about the personality type. If it's somebody that you know, uh, are they going to be very analytical? Uh, are they going to be looking for lots of facts and information? So look yeah. at the personality types. So if you're going to meet in a, someone in your network who's an accountant, probably going to want a lot of you know, data and fact driven information. If you're going to meet somebody who's a risk analyst or a lawyer, they might want to know more about the, you know, the the, the, the legalities of it. If you're going to meet somebody who's working in uh, social media, marketing, something like that, uh, they might be more interested in when we're going to meet up at the end of the deal to have a bottle of champagne and celebrate the, the interest. So just really think about the the lead into that. And, and as Caroline says, you, you know, People are looking, you know, what's in it for them in, in a nice way. You know, they're looking for safety and security. So, you know, just start with opening um, questions that are quite, you know, quite open. You know, so, you know, what, what's driving this? You know, what, why are you looking to invest at this time? How much money? You know, just just let them open the proceedings and then see where it takes you. Because yeah. it's still it's still not a pitch at this stage, is it? It's it's a bit of a fact find. It's a bit of a you know find out a little bit more about their situation, what they're looking to achieve, etc. And then probably explaining the model, I guess, yeah. in terms of how it works. It's not necessarily you know a, a direct plea for money. It's just this is how it works. This is how we secure the investor funds. This is how we pay the money back through the uplift and the value that we're adding, um, just so that they understand, you know and the, the, the questions that you get from investors are, like you said, Caroline, are fairly 
predictable, aren't they? You, you, they're, they're, the concerns, you know, the first one, well, what happens if the housing market crashes, you know, <laughs> is, is a big thing. And, you know, I, mean, I guess it depends on your strategy. We're always clear to, we're always keen to make it clear that, um, you know, we're not investing for capital growth. That's not what the model is all about. This is about mm -hmm. income generation and that's how we can pay investors on a monthly basis, etc. So, Again, it's not pitching, it's just explaining to them the model so that they can they can get their heads around their money being safe and how it's how it's going to come back through the system, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's incredible no. people's uh, preconceived ideas about properties. You know, mm. there is that, that capital growth thing is what most people think you buy property for. Mm. They, they don't, they, well, they, they won't understand that whole putting the money in and getting the money out and... Yeah all that process and I think it's quite important at this stage that you, you you're not trying to educate them on how to invest in property because yeah. you know that that's not what they're interested in yeah. um, it might be it might be yeah. something that they're interested in later down the track it's more about look giving them the confidence that you know what you're talking about and what mm -hmm. what I'd say here is look if, if you can demonstrate that you've invested time and money in learning how to do this properly, they're going to be far more confident in your ability. 100%. If you don't have answers to the questions that they have for you, there's going to be no comfort whatsoever. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's a real sort of mindset block. And I know we talked about this in part one, that a lot of our students have when they first start, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm 22 years old. Who on earth is ever going to give me money? Well, the fact that you've spent money and time mm. educating yourself will put you head and shoulders above most people out there. Yeah. Um, and that really will set you apart and give them confidence to work with you. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you know, by doing that one thing, you know, by getting educated, you're already doing something different to the masses. A lot of people talk about doing something. There's loads of people who talk a great game, but how many people actually get out there and do something? So again, that goes back to showing the, the social proof that you are consistent, showing up, uh, and then having the conversation. So I think when it comes to looking for, you know, private investors, uh, don't rule anybody out. Everybody, uh, you know, is, is a potential um, investor in your business. I was having an interesting conversation earlier this week with somebody who was a bit frustrated. He said, oh, every time I talk to somebody who's a really sophisticated investor um, or even knows a little bit about property, uh, they want to be involved in my business they want to be a joint venture partner and it really frustrates me and i said what what's the what's the block he said well i kind of just struggle a little bit talking to people you know within my direct network uh, about money which is really interesting because the the person i was speaking to is very very confident and i said well you know maybe reverse out of that and say you know i'm just interested in getting your opinion on something um would you have a look at this you know, document for me. Could I could I talk to you about an investment that I've got? You know, I just wonder whether you knew anyone in your network that might be interested in it. Um, and it's almost like a takeaway. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, oh, that's that's great. Yeah, because the likelihood is you'll get uh, the first statement would be back as well. Actually, I'd be interested in that. What? Why not talk to me about it? So it's almost like a takeaway before you've given it. So talk to somebody about a, a deal that you've got uh, on the table ask for their opinion about the presentation, about the facts and figures and information in there. Uh, and then you might find that it's a different way of asking for money. But it is a bit of a yin and a yang. You want somebody that's kind of 
interested in investing that is motivated to do more with their money to get a better return on investment so you want somebody who's quite punchy but what you don't want to do is is spend you know the next you know month educating them about the the where's and why falls of of property investment you know and giving them all your education for free that's not what you want to do yeah. no yeah i think you raise a really good point actually because I know when we first made our like list, if you like, of potential angel investors when we were first starting out, we were racking our brains to think about who do we know that might want to invest in property and, yeah. and or might be interested in property. And that's, it comes back to what we covered right at the beginning of part one, which is what is an angel investor? Because yeah. actually, you know, the, the people that are interested in investing in property, there's, there's a reason they're not doing that, that, that you know, there's... And, and the likelihood is that they're going to want to be involved in, in that process, you know, and that might be a joint venture conversation, but that is a different conversation. That's, that's not an angel investment conversation. Really what we're looking for is people who potentially have zero interest in investing in property. They just know that they've got, you know, a, a bit of savings in the bank. They want to get a, a better return on it. They're happy for you to do the legwork. Um, they don't, they don't necessarily want to know all the, the ins and outs of how your model operates. They just want to know those those four things, Caroline, say, well, how will I get my money back? Is my money safe, et cetera? So yeah. it's almost revisiting your list, isn't it? Again, don't worry about putting yourself under pressure to find like-minded people who might want to invest in property. It's yeah. don't, just don't rule out anybody in your network. Yeah. I was, ch I was chatting to a chap, um, again, another uh, uh, person in my network this week who was had that same conversation, took some advice that we'd given them through through the education and said, look, go and have that that conversation. Tell them, you know, don't ask for money, tell them what you're doing and ask for feedback. And was telling us that actually had a really good experience where somebody who was thinking about buying some premium bonds, you know, that's super safe investing, isn't it? You know, that I've got, you know, 30, 40 grand or whatever. Um, I just want to, you know, get them and get my one and a half percent i'm not sure what the latest um figures on premium bonds but it's you know it's it's cash basically isn't it and yeah. um, had a little bit of back and forth with this and and the conversation very much started with no i'm not interested in in you know it's great what you're doing but it's not for us it's a bit risky but just by having the conversations never asking eventually that person came back to them and said yeah uh we've had to think about it and we want to in invest um, you know, a, a decent chunk of uh, money in, in your business. Uh, not interested in property, not interested in doing it. So they're the perfect investors in your business. They're interested in a good return on, them, on their money. And, and what that individual had done is just basically taken uh, the advice they'd been given and the training, put it into action, uh, and just kind of batted away any of their, their issues, like what happens if there's a downturn in the market? What happens if um, you know, the project overruns. Where's my security? How do I get my return on investment? When do I get my return on investment? You know, and it's just literally going away and batting away all those objections till they've got none. And then they kind of have got really two answers, uh, two questions. Do I invest in premium bonds or do I invest in something that's going to give me six, seven, eight, eight, ten percent return? Yeah. And don't be afraid for people saying no to you because it's no big deal. Yeah always another angel investor just literally around the corner where you least expect it. I think as human beings, we are so scared of the word no being rejected that we maybe fail to put ourselves out there. And if we can soften it to the point where 
You're not asking someone for money. You're just offering them an opportunity. They can decide if they take it or not. It's their loss if they don't do it. Not yeah. your loss, their loss. Uh, and there's enough of them out there that it it, it it takes that pressure off your shoulders. It takes that whole feeling of, oh, are they going to do it? Are they, oh, I'm going to get my first angel. You know, It's a bit like that whole getting your first deal over the line. Like when you get your first angel, like everyone needs their first times, right? And we always remember our first times. Um, but it's that whole pressure to get that first one over the line. And then after that, you're like, actually, yeah, I'm going to maybe change the way that I do that a little so I don't feel so worried about someone saying no to me. Because someone saying no to you is not a judgment on you as an individual. They're not saying, you know, you know, Caroline, I don't, you know, rate you as a as a human being or an individual. I wholeheartedly disagree with what you're doing. They're just saying it's not for them. Remember, they may have a different map of the world from from where you are and something's not quite right. It might be the timing. It may be that you have to maybe let that, you know, percolate for a bit and they come back to it. Uh, It could be something like that. But just remember in, in this game in property you are going to get loads of no's you know you're going to have to put loads of offers out cheeky offers and state agents are going to say no to you um investors are exactly the same going to say to no so we turn turn it on its head and go for no because the more no's you get the closer to a yes uh, that you are you use your nose as a great practice to think why did they say no is there something i could do different um, and know that you know you're, you're getting uh, incrementally closer to getting a yes you're very comfortable with being rejected, aren't you, Rick? Many, yeah. many rejections over your lifetime. <laughs> exactly. Lots of practice. So, uh, yeah, it makes you quite robust when it comes to... Thick <laughs> skin. And, and, and if you do want to soften it, like sometimes you might want to soften it a little bit. I know, Caroline, you mentioned in, in part one about sometimes it can be um, daunting talking to family members or yeah. friends about investments. So if you do want to soften it, sometimes we just... We, we present it more, do you know of anybody? You know, so we've got this investment opportunity. Could you, could you have a look through this for me? If you know of anybody that might be interested in getting involved. So you're not directly even approaching them as such. Right. And, then, and quite often this does happen. They'll then maybe pipe up and go, well, actually, yeah, I've, I've got a little bit of money. And you act surprised. And, oh, right, brilliant. Okay, yeah. You know, because it was more about having the chat with them about whether they knew anyone in there friendship group sort of thing so it's just a way of just softening it so you don't feel like you're going head on do you have some money to invest i know it's it's i I can't imagine that the success of do you have any money to success Mm. would be particularly Mm. high because it is quite abrasive it's quite in your face and also Mm. it makes you sound pretty desperate yeah yeah absolutely it's one of those things as well like if you know you're listening to this and this is something that's all brand new to you and you know your mind's blown this is my favorite part about investing in property the 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 money cycle the the raising money because i i I was skeptical i was like really does it work but if you you know think about it if you present somebody with a great opportunity that's asset backed that is de-risk that you've done all the due diligence uh you can present lots and lots of information uh to back it up some expertise and some experience yeah would you invest in it? And, and and that's all that you're looking to do. You're looking to give people certainty. And it's one of those things, once you get your first breakthrough and, and all these, by taking these incremental steps, you know, bit by bit by bit, you end up having these happy coincidences and you'd be like, oh, that's really weird. This, this crazy thing happened to me and I ended up raising, you know, 
X amount of money just really randomly. It's not random. It's all the little things that you do step by step that that creates these random uh, happy incidents of, of you raising money. So yeah, yeah. We're, we're following quite a logical progression here, aren't we? Because, you know, you've had that conversation now and hopefully you've been able to sort of head off some of the common, you know, um, resistance or concerns that an angel investor have. You know, the next question is going to be, OK, I'm in. What happens now? So so what 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 do you need to have in place? What are some of the logistics of this process? So I know we we put this question out to our um, to the Property Wealth System Facebook community um, just to find out what they wanted to hear from us this morning. And Joanne over on the community, she asked that exact question, which was, you know, what's the logistics of this? So in terms of um, how does the investor money come in? Who manages it? How does it get paid back? You know, what sort of agreement needs to be in place? You know, what's the, the logistics of all of this once once we've got an angel who's interested in getting involved? Where do we start with that? Well, I think a lot of it is down to the actual angel and what their expectation is. Because, look, I don't give security to every angel investor. I don't get lawyers involved in every angel investor. So that's the, beauty, that's the beauty of private money, right? You can literally shape it to be whatever you need it or they need it uh, to be. So, you know, I've had angel investors who we put up heads of terms together uh, and it's literally heads of terms and they've sent the money to our, our bank account and it's like, yeah, we'll sort the paperwork out later. And it is that straightforward. Whereas we've had other angel investors, it's like lawyers involved. They send the money to the lawyer. The lawyer puts security on. The, that lawyer then sends money to another lawyer. And the, you know, if an angel investor is kind of going down that route, uh, I, I tend not to use them. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm a very simple lassie. The less, the less convoluted, the better for for me. Um, but I understand, I mean, that particular angel investor that wanted a lot of uh, hoops jumped through, it, you know, was a significant amount of money. There was a first charge involved and, you know, it was quite a complex deal. So, yeah, that made sense at that time. Mm. And the costs, you're, you're, you're shouldering the costs for that. Um, so I, for me, it, it's, it's what does the angel investor expect? Yeah. Mm. What do they expect? And by your questioning... Um, and how they've been asking you questions like, well, is there a loan, you know, is there a loan document and things like that? I mean, look, some people don't even, some people are, are so naive, I guess, and so inexperienced in doing something like this that they might not even know that you should have a loan document that's mm. backed up by a will, for example. So when I said to an angel investor, so you have a will, right? And he's like, no. And I said, well, look, to be an angel investor, I want a will drawn up because in the event of you lending me the money and you die, mm. like then what, right? Because you're going to have all sorts of chaos going on there. So it's part of our prerequisite. We want our angel investors to have a will drawn up. Um, and so, again, I think it's good that if you're, you're putting conditions on them lending you the money, it shows that you really know what you're doing and that we don't just work with any old Tom, Dick and Harry. We don't yeah. just take any money from anybody, right? Hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess that's not really answered the questions on the logistics, but there, there is a lot. I mean, we could do a whole episode just on the logistics itself, but mm -hmm. um, heads cool. of terms, are, are lawyers going to be involved? Which account is it going to, you know, and what are the contingencies? 
you know, if the if the money doesn't come back when it's expected, are you going to give extra interest on a, that money for a prolonged period of time? How, how are you gonna how are you gonna structure it? But that really is a conversation between you and the individual about what they'd like to happen. Because yeah. it's keeping it simple, like you say, like the loan agreement itself doesn't it doesn't need to be a particularly complex exercise there are some fairly obvious things that need to be included in that document for for both parties so you know obviously amount of investment the the, the term of the loan um the the rate of return etc you know some of the obvious stuff that needs to be in there um yeah. that's something that you you know there are there are templates available but you might get that sort of looked over by your solicitor to start with but if you had to get a fresh loan agreement written by a solicitor every time you wanted to take out angel investment that's going to take a chunk of, of of money to do that so i know the way we certainly approach that is we have a a proven uh template that that that, that we use and we adapt um and we offer that if they would like to have that looked at by their solicitor they're more than welcome to do that um nine times out of ten they don't correct um, out of 10 they don't we make the offer you know we're, we're transparent about everything we're, we're we're confident about our process nine times out of ten that they're, they're happy with just having it you know in black and white and and signed and and that's yeah. all fine yeah correct and and you know the purpose of this is to you know if you are looking for money for deals you've got a number of options you can go to you know to the banks you can go to bridging the idea of going to a private investor is to to lower the cost in terms of legal, to try and simplify the process. So if you've got somebody that does want to have, you know, first charge, get their lawyer involved, there's, you know, you, you're actually incurring similar costs that you might be incurring by going to a bridging firm and actually a bridging firm may end up being quicker and, and cheaper. So the idea with, with going to a, a private investor is to try and make your life simple, um, you know, talking about the win on your side, uh, yeah. to try and get something that's cheap because a lot of the time when you're going to bridging there's the in and the out cost there's the arrangement fees there's the broker fees and, da, 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 and very quickly um you've got fees racking up the the great thing about having private finance is that it should just be a fairly straightforward transaction uh and like mark and, and caroline have said you know a, a simple loan agreement heads of terms fairly simple you know if you start getting lawyers involved in it, they'll want to insert lots of clauses and, and things like that you can sit down and, and have a chat to the investor and say look what would you like to, to know about and again it's what if the project overruns what is the interest rate what's the property we're talking about where is the security so you can write security into the loan agreement but without giving security you know you can then have that you know um you know, looked over by a lawyer. Um, so again, it's just really simplifying. If it's getting, you know, if you're in your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth meeting and, and it's running into hours of, of negotiation, mm. get bridging. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's deal with a couple of those what ifs then. Yeah. So, so what, what if, so what if you have got a deal where either you have to leave through whatever reason, maybe the refurb cost a little bit more than you were expecting. Maybe, you know, there was a slight down valuation at the back end. What, what if you have to leave some investor money in the deal so you can't completely recycle all of the investors' cash or the project just runs on a little bit longer than you were expecting? So, you know, that, that, that could be a question from an investor, right? Um, so how would we deal with that? Well, I'd always ask back to them, what would they like to happen? Mm. 
again, it's like their expectations. You could offer them the sun and moon when actually they didn't really need that. Mm -hmm. So, um, look, you could, you could put in a, a, a penalty clause for you not getting the money back on time. I've never done that. Mm -hmm. And I've never offered an uplift in interest for things over overrunning. At the end of the day, the angel investors continuing to get their interest paid to them for longer than they would have had. So they're quite happy with that. Um, or if they're desperate to get their money out, you could simply replace them with another angel investor. Yeah. Right. There's always oh, there's a solution. There's always. I, I always, I always like. I just know the way that we approach that, which is actually to head it off and to keep framing it as an opportunity for the investor. So right from the outset, we actually say, I, I'm sort of riding on the experience that I've had that most investors want to stay in. So, exactly. so actually I explain that this is the returns, this is the term, but there, there may well be the potential to extend. So in a way I'm covering myself, but I'm actually phrasing it as an opportunity to say, hey, you know what, you might be able to carry on because if I think that I may have to leave some money in the deal. And like you say, you know, you've got a sensible notice period written into the loan agreement that you signed. So if they do want to, you know, exit or if it's coming to the end of the term and you're reaching out to them and saying, hey, look, you know, we're, re we're coming to the end of the term, you know, just 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 gauging your intentions, what you're looking to do moving forwards. If it looks like they're like, no, I absolutely have to have that money back when we agreed, then you know you're out you know, looking to replace that angel with, with somebody else with enough notice to do that. Yeah. And I think that don't be, you know, don't be scared by those questions by people asking you the what ifs, because if you can't answer the what ifs, it means that you haven't done your own due diligence on it. You yeah. don't have your exit secured. So, you know, with any, property investment we're always starting with the end in mind why are we buying uh, the property what is our end purpose with the property is there demand for the property so that's the starting point so that then supports the the lending so any deal you know if you if you can't honestly answer where the money's coming from it's not a deal you know if you're like uh, i don't know it looks cheap but actually when i add up the refurb costs uh, it's not as cheap as I thought it was. It's not a deal, you know. So if you can't have that conversation where the, the angel's asking you the questions about, you know, what happens if, oh, well, if I leave money, actually, I'm looking, at, I'm going to have to leave half of your money in that. And that, that's not a deal, you know, so you need yeah. to, to, to think again. Um, so I would always recommend that you borrow the money for longer than you need it. So if you think it's going to be a six month deal, borrow it for 12 months. Uh, you know, talk about to the investor, what if I pay you back early? What would you like to happen? So as Caroline has said, that's a really powerful question in a negotiation because you can sometimes like blunder into it. And as Caroline said, right, I'm going to give you this and give you this, give you this, this and this. And they're like, oh, cool. I was just happy to leave it in and perhaps just you pay me the same interest for a bit longer. Yeah. Um, and, and you shot yourself in the foot. So just okay, what would you like to happen in the event that the project overruns a little bit? Yeah, yeah. it's, that again, it's the, the biggest plus of having private money is the human beings, like what what do they want? And then see if it works. It's interesting you, you saying, Rick, about it's not a deal. I was uh, speaking with, um, doing a webinar with complete newbies and trying to explain to them the difference between a property and a deal. 
right? <laughs> and how they were different. And they're like, what? What's the difference between a property and a deal? Well, property, any Muppet can buy that, get a deposit and a mortgage and whoo, you have a property. A deal is where you're actually making money and you're able to, to put money in and out of it and, 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 and make that money at the very beginning part. And they're like, oh, and there's a big difference between that property and, and, and deals. So the quality of the deal, um, and that's where your expertise, your education, your knowledge comes into play, get, getting into it. And that gives the angel then the, the comfort that you know what you're talking about. Exactly. And, and you've got to be able to answer that question. So let's, for instance, think that you're, you know, maybe you're running a blended strategy where you're maybe buying some properties for cash flow, but then you're also um, uh, also buying properties to perhaps flip to generate cash. Uh, or you've got something uh, in another associated business that, that generates cash. So the idea being, if you do leave money in, what, what is your out? You know, so can you pay them back through the cash flow from the property or can you pay them back from other sources of, of income or sales of property? You've got to be able to answer that question. If you can't answer it, what you can't do is, you know, Caroline, what Caroline says is you could change the 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 uh the angel with another angel but again you've got to be able to pay them out so it, again you've got to be able to answer these questions so the deal always supports the lending the deal always supports the lending uh that's really really important yeah so one one last what if to to throw over to you guys and and to throw around what what if the investor is it's become clear that what's going to get them over the line is some kind of security. You know, they're interested in security, but they're not the only lender in the deal. So we can't offer them first charge on the property yeah. because they're not the only lender. But but they're they're a little bit nervous, you know, and they are they are pretty keen to understand what sort of security you're able to offer. What options do we have in that situation? Well, first of all, it depends on how much money they're giving you, right? because it has to be worth your while to give them security. And there is a kind of level. I don't know what level you guys would choose, but, you know, I, w I, I wouldn't be giving anyone security for less than 10, 15. Mm. I, to be honest, probably 25K is, 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 mm. is the number in my head. Yeah. Anything 25K and above, I'd, I'd give security, but anything less than that probably wouldn't or I'd be more reluctant to. Uh, but there's a number of ways that you can give security. Um, again, depending on how robust they want it it can be security on property either this deal or another one that you have or it could be on any item of value right mm. you can give them security on on any any item of value that you have maybe you've got a portfolio of premium bonds <laughs> that's security on that or the ferrari or the ferrari <laughs> but but the reality is if you don't have you know so you, you could give them security on your own you know your own home or whatever you know but you're going down that kind of route of the same sort of things that you know bridging lenders going to ask you for for, for security on that mm. so personally i'd say okay cool let me think about it and i'd look for something else um i've never given anyone security on anything other than um, institutional finance so bridging um you know mortgages uh crowdfunding you know peer-to-peer -peer lending yes um, private investors, no, uh, and 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 to be honest, no one's ever asked, you know, because the loan document very clearly dealt with any objections. Um, th there was very clear lines of sight on how the money would come in, how the money would get paid back, timeframes, you know, dealing with 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 any questions. So it's never come to that. Yeah, because yeah, I've had, I I've I've had investors ask the question. 
um, and I've been happy to talk about security and where it is and isn't an option or, or applicable. But again, yeah, I would agree. I've had very few people that they're, they're just curious, but have not then necessarily wanted or needed to follow through with it. Yeah. If you're buying, obviously, a property that's unmortgageable, then the, the the great thing is you're sort of able to say, well, look, you know, ultimately you're putting money into this deal, so I can kind of give you security against the deal. So the worst case scenario is I buy it, I start, you know, uh, renovating, uh, I bought it for X, we've spent this, I don't know, I get hit by a bus and, you know, the, the, the property sort of um, stalls mid-project, mid well, you end up you know, getting security on the project that we're working on, which is worth a lot more than the money that you put in. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, I think that's a nice place to, uh, to cover off. I think we've covered a lot of ground again in, in part two, particularly around angel investors. Uh, raising money is obviously, um, there's a lot more to raising money than just, um, than just angel investors. Um, yeah. So, you know, we haven't even really touched on joint ventures and, mm. you know, I know we've had, previous episodes where we've had uh, you know mortgage broker on about obviously more of the institutional funding and I think that's an area that that um, you know we're going to keep dipping into as well so hopefully everybody's found that 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 useful um, I know uh, and I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking for you guys as well we're keen to make these particularly these panel shows as as interactive as you can do within a within a podcast format so you know we are we are keen to 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 connect with people over on our on our facebook community page and and we'll always be sort of giving you a heads up of the content we're going to cover on the podcast and it's an opportunity for you to actually steer that we're quite happy to ramble and uh, talk around this stuff for uh, for best part of an hour but We'd love to also tailor it to, to, to exactly what you guys need to know. So if you head over to the, 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 all the links will be in the show notes, head over to that. But it'd be great to connect with with any of our listeners over there. And it gives you a chance to sort of um, get what you need from these sessions. Brilliant. It's been great. As Thank always, so I'd love to joint ventures next. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's get that one teed up. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Caroline. Thanks, Rick. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks Take for having care. me. See you. Thank you very much for listening. Would you take a moment to leave us a review? We'd love to know that we're on the right track in terms of content that you guys find useful. And your review will also make it easier for other people to find and discover the podcast. You can leave a review wherever you're listening to your podcast, uh, whatever platform you use. Thank you again. And I will see you on the next episode. <laughs>